there's research that came out in summer of 2023 that showed that it's most likely not chemical imbalance that causes depression. Antidepressants don't even work. If they worked, people would be getting off of them. Depression has a way of really throwing us off kilter and making us believe that we are someone that we're not. Depression and any other symptom of mental health, anxiety, etc., is a sign and a signal. It's showing us that there's a mismatch or a disconnect between the mind and the body and the soul. Every time I went through depression, I gained more and more tools. I gained more resilience. I gained more confidence in myself and my ability to handle things. Maybe it meant that for as much darkness as I could experience and hold and really sit with and integrate, that actually meant that I could actually hold that much light too. When we ingest something in place of feeling something, we are perpetuating feeling not well. When we sit with what it is that we're feeling we're going through, we are choosing ourselves. That is an act of self-love. And you are leading yourself. You're in self-leadership saying, I am devoted to myself, to my health, to my healing, to my reason for being. And I'm going to take this opportunity to go deeper into the discovery of what it is that's hurting me or making me feel bad or that's holding me back or keeping me down. Welcome to our greatest performance. My name is Mackenzie Rose Gorman and I'm a coach, entrepreneur, creative and advocate for holistic well-being. This podcast is your gateway to aligning with your purpose, tapping into ancient wisdom and embodying your fullest potential. I'm extending the official invitation to step boldly into living your life as your greatest performance. Thanks for tuning in. Let's dive into today's greatness. Hey fam, really quick intro to this episode. This was inspired by a friend and ex-client who came to me and asked what my best tips and resources would be because she had someone in her family who was struggling from mental health issues and a lot of depression and didn't seem like she had a way to get through it and didn't have a lot of tools and resources. So this episode is meant to be a guide to someone who is working through mental health issues. It's meant to be something that can be educational to friends and family or coworkers or whoever who's around people who need support through depression. It's a lot of different takes on depression, far different than just the Western medical lens. Think of it as a holistic view of depression, looking at mental health, physical health, emotional health, and spiritual health, and how they all integrate and overlap within this topic. And I hope it just acts as a resource for um, education, for empowerment, and it's full of tips and tricks and tools and all of those good things too. So I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome back to our greatest performance. We are diving into an interesting topic today. I don't want to say it's near and dear to my heart because mental health and depression and things like that are not dear to me in that I don't have a strong love or affinity for them. However, I have a robust and intimate relationship with them. I started experiencing depression when I was 12, 13-ish and had varying degrees of depression up to extreme depression to the point of 
not wanting to be alive and being suicidal until I was around probably 25, 26. And now in the space that I'm in within leadership and teaching self-leadership and consulting on well-being and performance for individuals and companies, I think that it's really, really important for people to have stronger access to tools. So this is going to be kind of like a depression 101 episode slash depression toolkit. And my intention for this is that it is something that you could send to a friend or a family member or someone that you know who's struggling. And it will also be a resource for someone who is listening, who is experiencing any of these, you know, symptoms. And so, yeah, I'm putting this out there because I just don't think the way that mental health and depression is discussed is really cutting it. And I also think that with the whole Western medical systems spin on on mental health, I don't think that it's an accurate or even very helpful way to approach these kinds of issues. And that might be controversial. And that's fine, because that's my opinion. And uh, we can all have our own opinions. But you know, I've, I'm just turned 30. And I've probably spent at least five years of my life, like in full depression. Um, I would say it's probably more. That's a big chunk of time. And I've learned a lot through it. And I've gone through the systems. I was diagnosed with uh, bipolar disorder when I was 21. And I've gone through a lot of different, you know, facets of the Western medical system. And in many ways, it wasn't helpful. And so I came up with my own way of research and investigation into this topic. And also just, I would say experimentation and kind of like looking into the art and science of rebalancing ourselves and coming back into into our truest essence into balance because depression has a way of really throwing us off kilter and making us believe that we are someone that we're not. So yeah, let's get into it. I think the first most important piece to start with is that depression isn't caused by a chemical imbalance. That is a fallacy that's been it's a fallacy that's been pushed as a narrative for many many years but there's research that came out in summer of 2023 that showed that it's most likely not chemical imbalance that causes depression yes in depression you see people experiencing chemical imbalance which means that the ratios of neurotransmitters and what's going on inside the brain are altered. But the research is showing that it's not an imbalance in the brain that causes depression. So you have to understand that if someone goes into a depressive state, then you see, let's say, lowered serotonin, for example, which is why we have SSRIs, which are working with uh, serotonin reup, but it's not causing it. So when that narrative is pushed, I really believe that that allows this doorway into people being able to kind of, how do I put this the right way? It allows people to sit in a victim mindset of, oh, I can't help what's happening to me or my mental health status because I just have a chemical imbalance. 
And I'm not saying anyone is to blame for their mental health issues, but playing the victim to it and using something like a label as a reason to hold yourself back from health and healing or to play victim and to kind of outsource your power to, you know, I have a chemical imbalance. So like, you know, what am I going to do? That doesn't get us anywhere. And I understand that sometimes it feels good to kind of be in this victim mentality because it allows the pressure to be taken off of us. But is your goal in life to to stay sick and to stay depressed and to stay down? Or are you willing to open up your perspective a little bit to other things that might be contributing into other ways and things that can help you? So that's the first piece I really want to touch on. The second piece I want to touch on was, is, is the piece of what depression actually looks like in people. And that might sound a little funny, but I had depression for years, years and years and years without knowing it was depression. And something about me is I've kept a journal since I was in fifth grade. And I started a very personal journal for myself because in fifth grade and sixth grade, I wrote every single day, but it was for this, basically for a school. We had to write every day in our journal with the teacher. I had the same teacher in fifth and sixth grade, but starting in middle school, I started having my own journals. And so I have 18 years of my life written down. And something that was really interesting is that I was able to go back and look at my journals and I can actually pinpoint the times when I was going through depressive episodes because I didn't think I had depression because I wasn't sad. And really, you know, when I was in middle school, let's see, I started middle school in 2006. So the conversation about mental health was different then. We didn't have social media. I didn't have Instagram until my last year of high school. And I think that Instagram and TikTok and things like that and just the boom of social media and the internet has really been able to positively influence in many ways the landscape of mental health and educate people and give people resources and things like that. And I don't feel like at least I had that growing up and I wasn't sad. So I didn't. I never thought that that was depression. What I thought was I was bad at life. That's what I wrote. That's how I wrote about it. That's how I remember it. And I thought that I would go through unlucky period. And so, and I thought this all the way through college, even when I was diagnosed finally by the doctor with depression, I thought the doctor was wrong. And I ignored her. Well, she she wanted me to go back on prescription medication, which I'd been on for anxiety in high school. Um, but I thought she was wrong as, as basically saying, you know, she's an idiot because I don't have depression because I'm high functioning and I'm, you know, doing great in school. And I've always been able to basically be a high performer. And the biggest piece was that I'm not sad. And so depression can present in many, many ways other than sadness. And so I want to quickly first start with symptoms of depression from the DSM-5. So these, the DSM-5 is the psychological manual that psychologists use in order to diagnose people with mental health disorders and issues. I have 
some problems with the whole system in general of all of this. It's probably for another episode. But basically, the system is that you, they go and they look at your symptoms and you match your symptoms to a list that is correlated to depression. So let's say I'm having, you know, A, B, C, D, and E. A, B, C, D, and E are all part of this list. They would say, okay, you have this. And then the Western model, usually this, the ailment, the disorder, the disease is matched with a prescription medication. All of that is due to the fact that there was this report written in the very early 1900s called the Flexner Report, which was commissioned by by the Carnegie Foundation because Carnegie's are part of the oil industry, the oil conglomerates. And many people don't know this, but the basis of how you make pharmaceutical medication is petroleum, petroleum products. So the Carnegie's realized that there was a huge opportunity to make money through petroleum via pharmaceuticals. And they commissioned this guy named Robert Flexner to write this report that essentially discredited all alternative forms of medicine that up until that point had been how humans manage illness and disease and things like that for the entire lifespan existence of humans. Things like acupuncture and herbalism were written off by the Flexner report basically as hokey and he painted them in a light where it looked like they were pointless, stupid, dumb. Like it was really written in languaging and in posturing to discredit these things that had worked for thousands of years. So then the Carnegie's also offered money to medical school systems and essentially said that they would fund their schools or their medical schools as long as they took the Carnegie curriculum. Well, guess what was in the Carnegie curriculum? It was match a set of symptoms to the symptoms of a disease or disorder and then match that disease or disorder with a pharmaceutical medication. And that's how we have our entire Western medical system. So in and of itself, the way that we treat depression through medication as one of the highest means of quote unquote helping is flawed. Anyways, back to the DSM-5. Let's go through what it says depression is or what the symptoms are. So it says depressed mood. And think of, uh, let's say you're walking along a road and you see a depression, that would be a hole in the road. So Depression implies a sinking down, a lower, so a lowering mood. So depressed mood, loss of interest or pleasure, weight loss or gain, insomnia or hypersomnia. Actually, let's go back a little bit. Depressed mood, most of the day, nearly every day, maybe subjective, feels sad, empty, hopeless, or observed by others, appears tearful. In children and adolescents can be irritable mood, which was me to a T. Loss of interest and pleasure, markedly diminished interest and pleasure in all or almost all activities most of the day, nearly every day, may be subjective or observed by others. Weight loss or gain, significant weight loss or weight gain without dieting or a decrease or increase in appetite nearly every day. In children, it can be a failure to, ex- to gain weight as expected. The next is insomnia or hypersomnia, so not sleeping, 
enough or sleeping too much nearly every day. Psychomotor agitation or retardation. So uh, restlessness or the opposite of restlessness nearly every day and observable by others. Fatigue, loss of energy nearly every day. Feeling worthless or excessive and inappropriate guilt nearly every day. The guilt may be delusional, not merely self-reproach or guilt about being sick. So it's basically guilt for no reason. Decreased concentration nearly every day, maybe indecisiveness, maybe subjective or observed by others. Thoughts of death or suicide. So recurrent thoughts of death, not just the fear of dying. Recurrent suicidal ideation without a specific plan or a suicidal attempt or a specific plan for suicide. So you have to have at least five of these to qualify for depression. And then there are four more that you also have to have in addition to at least five of the, the first list to qualify. So the first is symptoms include clinically significant distress or impairment in social, occupational, or other important areas of functioning. The next is episode not attributable to physiological effects of a substance or other medical condition. The third is episode not better explained by a different disorder and it lists you know schizophrenia delusional disorder things like that and the last one is no history of manic or hypomanic episode and that's because that would put you into a different category which would be bipolar disorder which is kind of the pattern of what happened to me so i'm just going to quickly outline my story because i think it's sometimes easier to look at or hear a story to be able to relate yourself or someone else's story to one so I grew up very level-headed. I was a good kid. I wasn't um, getting into trouble or anything like that. I was really good in school. I did a ton of art, got great grades. I played a bunch of sports. And then around 12, 13, I started feeling like I was going through these just periods of time when I didn't feel good. Um, I also experienced some very confusing events relating to um, emotional and verbal trauma and abuse earlier in my life. And I think that up until this point, when I reached middle school, I had kind of this form of seeing the world in a very beautiful light. I was, I saw the magic and I felt the magic in the world very much. And I was a very deep feeler and a big dreamer and very true to myself. And I think I was doing well up until that point. Even when I got bullied in the end of elementary school, I think I still so fully knew who I was that it didn't affect me a ton. Maybe it did. Maybe I'm wrong when I say that. But I do know that when I got into middle school, it felt like this kind of rude awakening to feeling as though I didn't really actually understand other kids and other people and I felt really different from them and I felt like socializing with other people there were these games that people played and I had never been taught the rules of these games and I just saw how people were just catty and mean and all of these things and then I think I really just wanted to feel more like I fit in and accepted and in conjunction with a bunch of other things I think I started to push down my feelings and to really stop feeling them because a lot of what I was feeling was really painful and felt like it was hurting me. 
and other people were hurting me through not physically but just things that a lot was going on essentially I started to push down my big feelings and my big emotions and around that time I started to be very irritable and I don't blame my parents at all for any of this but I think that when someone you know someone becomes a teenager you think that they are going to be attitude and things like that. So I think I was just viewed as a difficult teenager when really there was a lot of pain that I was holding. And my irritability was in many ways due to my mental health status. And because I also just thought that that was who I was and I just was kind of unlucky and sometimes just I'd go through these periods when everything felt bad and that was it. I didn't really think anything of it. I definitely saw that my friends got along with their parents a lot better than I did and things like that. But that's what it looked like at the beginning. And then once I was an adult, I can relate to all of these. So the depression basically got more and more and more severe but depressed mood most of the day, complete lack of energy, fatigue, couldn't get out of bed, sleeping so much. I had periods of both weight gain and weight loss because I would often just completely lose my appetite for months and months and months at a time. Huge loss of interest and pleasure. There's this term called anhedonia, which is the inability to feel pleasure, which I think is a much better way to describe depression than sadness, but everyone's presents differently. So there's no one right or wrong way to describe it. I would say a couple of the other things that I see as signs of depression from having gone through it and then seen a lot of other people go through it that aren't listed in something like the DSM-5 are apathy. So if someone is just extremely apathetic and just doesn't really seem to care about anything. A lot of times, especially as adults, these things happen and we kind of roll them into our personality, almost like this is my personality trait or like that's Joe's personality trait. Like he just like doesn't care. He doesn't care about this going on. He doesn't care about that going on. Like Joe doesn't give a fuck. And I think that apathy is a big indicator of something bigger going on in regards to mental health. The next one is negativity. So it's my belief that humans are inherently positive, optimistic creatures. We aren't born negative. Negativity is learned. And when your neurochemistry is altered or your mood is altered and you're in depression, you're often going to be much more negative. Think of Eeyore. If you're exhibiting Eeyore-like symptoms or someone around you is, like it just doesn't seem like they can see the good in anything, even if they're saying they feel well, that to me is a sign of someone having a depressed mood. Another one is if someone is annoyed by everything, which is also irritability. So irritability is a, is one that shows up, they um, will say, in the DSM-5 in adolescence. But if someone is just annoyed by a lot for no reason, there's something going on in them. And yes, that can happen with hormonal changes and things like that. Uh, and it can also happen in depression. I just want to quickly actually add a little asterisk in here and add a note. When we talk about neurochem neurochemistry and your neurotransmitters and hormones, 
we're really just talking about chemicals. We are this body, this composition runs off of chemicals. That is how we exist. So we have this neurochemistry, uh, neurotransmitters, we have hormones, which are made within us, and then vitamins, which are made outside of us that are inserted in us through our diet or supplementation. And we run through these chemicals and how they interact in the different mechanisms and reactions and such within us. That is chemistry. That is organic chemistry. That's how we run. So I just think that sometimes when we talk about things like hormones or neurotransmitters, you forget that it's really just all of this chemistry that's going on within us. And so it's through physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual means that we're able to access kind of this panel of what's going on within us where we can change and tweak the chemistry that's happening. And that is a big component of depression. It's not really touched on because I don't think there's many holistic and integrative um, modalities or even voices talking about how all of these pieces play together. So to go back to the annoyance, if someone is perpetually annoyed, they either, they have some kind of chemistry imbalance going on. And that could be hormonal. It might be that they need to balance their hormones, which can also cause mood issues like a depressed And so if you're catching yourself being super annoyed by something for an extended period of time, like just annoyed by everything or everyone, or you're witnessing it in someone around you, you might want to do a mental health check-in. And I'll get to that um, later in this episode on how you can have these conversations. Another piece of depression is when I feel like I want to be around people, but then when I'm around people, they're just irritating me and they're kind of pissing me off. It's similar to the annoyance thing, but I'm like, I want to be around people. I don't want to be alone. Then when I'm around people, I find myself kind of being rude, short, bitchy, if you will. I, I'm not having the capability to be in my normal, like kind, open, compassionate, bubbly essence. That to me, if that's happening for more than like, an hour or a day or two, it's a big sign to me of, oh, something's going on. I don't think that many people realize that they're in low levels of depression quite often, similar to how I was. Because when we're in a certain state and we're used to it for so long, it becomes our norm. I was experiencing depression for so long that when I was diagnosed with depression, I literally thought the doctor was wrong because I was so used to it. And that was so normal to me. And it wasn't really until I was in my mid and late 20s when I really did deep health and healing work that I actually felt so good. And I had never known that feeling that good was possible, which is crazy. And it made me realize that I think a lot of people don't, most people don't actually know how possible it is to feel or how how good they can feel how how possible it is to feel exceedingly good because they've only experienced feeling good up to their own ceiling so to them they've experienced it because that's what they've gone up to and so they have their low point to compare to their middle point their high point but if they've never gone up this far then this will feel high but once you get up there it's a whole new ball game it's a whole new world so i think that's very important too being very, very sleepy. To the person who says, oh, I could just fall asleep anywhere, anytime, something's wrong. You're not supposed to be able to fall asleep anywhere, anytime. The chemistry within your body 
is off. Either your your hormones, so like your cortisol, which is linked into your circadian rhythm, which is responsible for sleep, mood, um, a, a plethora of things. Something is off. You should not be able to fall asleep all the time. You're either not getting enough sleep, so you're chronically and perpetually tired, or you're having something like your cortisol isn't spiking at the right time or isn't spiking high enough. Like there are, there's something going on in your chemistry of your brain and body that's off. So if you're finding yourself needing more and more and more and more sleep, that's also a sign. And yeah, so I, I would take that seriously. I, I don't think when I hear people say that, I'm always just like, ah, honey, that's really not something to be stoked or bragging about because it's just showing that your system is off. The bodies that we have, so intelligent, and they're telling you all the time what's going on. And so if you're experiencing signs and symptoms of any kind, it's showing you what's going on. If you're experiencing acne, it can be showing you what's going on in your gut. If you're experiencing bloating, if you're experiencing PMS, if you're experiencing sleepiness, you know, this is not just about depression at this exact moment, but all of the things that our body does and the way that we feel are showing us what's going on inside. We are so lucky that we have that because then we can use these signs and signals that our body is giving us in order to tune ourselves back into optimal health. I'm also going to add in a little bit of an out their opinion on mental health. So I used to be extremely sciencey, science oriented. I have a, a bachelor's degree in biology, molecular, cellular, developmental biology, you know, like in their nitty gritty biology. I love science, but I also don't think that science should be treated like this end all be all religion of sorts. But something that I love as I went through my health and healing journey was that I got really into energy and then realizing the overlaps between spirituality and science and psychology. And everything is energy. You know, physics shows and tells us that everything is vibration, holds its own vibration and uh, has frequency at some level on a scale. And so when someone has the capacity to hold a lot of a high frequency, you could say they hold a lot of light or they're a light worker or something like that, that is also a prime, let's say prime target for lower density energy and for lower vibrational energy entities, whatever you want to call it to find that person and try to shut that down. I know this sounds very out there, but there's a lot of psychic attack that goes on. And it's often the people that hold a lot of light, a lot of truth, a lot of capacity of feeling and of elevation that are the ones that experience mental health issues and disorders. Overall, depression is a huge issue. It's the leading cause of disability worldwide. The leading cause of disability worldwide. That's crazy. But most especially if you look at artists and these people who create and who channel and who have this very strong connection to the inner being, the, the higher consciousness 
within them and that's connected to the the higher consciousness god consciousness love consciousness the highest consciousness or frequency in in the universe those are often the people that are experiencing extreme mental health issues and this correlation is strong in my opinion because and with the healers and medicine people and all these people I've worked and studied with, it's because of our capacity to hold a lot of light and to to live at a high frequency. And that sets us up to be subjected to lower energy that can affect how we feel. I just want to throw that out there because if you felt like you were one of these kids that, you know, really felt the magic of this world or really felt deeply and really felt different. And then push that down, push that down, push that down. And then later experience depression or anxiety or other things. That's a reason, in my opinion. Okay. The next piece of this is let's think about mental health as the mind. When we think about the mind, we're thinking about our thinking or metacognition to think about thinking. There's this Einstein quote that says essentially, the level of thinking that created the problem isn't the level of thinking that's that can create the solution. And I really think that we can apply that to the conversation of mental health, where what brought us to this state is not going to be the same. We can't stay in that same state to fix it. And that's where our system is so flawed because we tell people who have depression or mental health issues that, you know, just, just, you know, think about things differently and you'll feel better or just go talk to a therapist. And if that doesn't work, and that's just talking about something or thinking about a problem, if that doesn't work, like, oh, okay, let's uh, put you on a medication. Or they'll just get put someone on medication first, even without trying to do psychotherapy. And the medication isn't the answer. It might make you feel better, which is often what we are seeking when we don't feel well. We just want to feel differently. However, depression, there's beauty in depression. There is beauty in depression. And this is why. Depression and any other symptom of mental health, anxiety, etc., is a sign and a signal. And it's our mind, I would say our mind and our body and our spirit and our heart as a whole, telling us that something is off. It's telling us that we have strayed from our soul. We have strayed from our purpose. We have strayed from our anchor of who we truly are into another realm that is not compatible with who we best able to be, which is our true self. We've just gotten so used to thinking about ourselves as mind and as body, and we've completely bypassed the soul, the spirit. And I think the most true investigation of who we really are and of fixing mental health must at all costs involve the mind, the body, and the soul or spirit, as well as the heart or emotions, because that is basically one of the coolest indicators we have of if we're in alignment and moving in the right direction. But back to the beauty and depression, to feel depressed, or you can apply this to anything else, to feel anxious, is to be given a symptom. It's your body showing you, hey, I'm bringing you something right now in the form of you not feeling good. And I'm telling you that something's off. And I'm showing this to you as a way for you to then 
look at it, examine it, and then do something about it. So when we receive something like depressive feelings, it's showing us that there's a mismatch or a disconnect between the mind and the body and the soul. When this happens, then we have an opportunity to look at what's going on in our life and in our thinking and in our being where there's a mismatch between what's going on or what we're currently doing or how we're currently acting, being, thinking, and our truest and best state. And it's actually a huge opportunity. I like to think of it also as something where if you ignore it or if you don't have the wherewithal to understand what's going on, it's going to get worse and worse and worse. And that's when we get into autoimmune disease or cancer. These are manifestations of stuck emotion, stuck energy in the body. And science is showing that more and more and more. That's not just some woo-woo thing at this point. A lot of people had been saying it for a long time before there was a science to back it up. Now the science is coming out that is showing this. And that's why people are also able to do these healings on these situations, such as irreversible autoimmune and cancers and severe depression. It's because when you can go in and do the mind, body, heart, soul work, not just the thinking about stuff to fix it, then you're able to get to the energetic root of what's causing that disease, dis-ease, that misalignment within you. This is where we have the opportunity. This is where we have the opportunity to learn to look at what's going on, to use tools to assess and reassess, to analyze and even to kind of alter the ways that we're thinking about things in order to benefit our mental health and move us forward in a more healthful way with more healing, with more grounding, and with more compassion for ourselves and understanding of ourselves. Every time I went through depression, once I understood what was going on, I gained more and more tools. I gained more resilience. I gained more confidence in myself and my ability to handle things. And I also was able to increase not just my mental health, but my physical health and my emotional health and my spiritual health altogether because they're inherently interconnected. So now I want to go into a little bit more of how these are interconnected and why it's just so dumb to try to treat depression simply with medication or even with psychotherapy and medication. Do you know there's a, a I should look up the statistic, but most antidepressants don't even work. If they worked, people would be getting off of them. People go into an antidepressant, sometimes they never come off of it. That's crazy. They're not working. It's showing more and more research is coming out like SSRIs aren't working. There's so many things that aren't working. And why are we continuing to use these faulty methods when there are other ways to approach this that actually work? The first thing is that is capitalism and the fact that people don't make money when people heal. Because in America, we have a, a healthcare system, you know, based on profit. So that's the first issue. So there's not money to be made when you teach people how to heal. Uh, part of my mission is to empower people to cultivate deep well-being, holistic, whole person, mind, body, heart, soul, well-being in order to have high performance, both as themselves, which is what relates to this podcast, our greatest performance 
to have high performance in life, to have high performance in their work, to have impact. Because at the end of the day, I'm trying to impact millions of leaders, radical leaders, resilient, authentic, daring, rad leaders. But you can't lead others or yourself without having well-being. It's not going to work. So at the foundation of my work, I must, in my eyes, I must be able to impart the, the information to just have a stable foundation of health and healing so that I can further my, my top tier mission, which is creating and empowering rad leaders so that they can continue to empower others and have their own impact. And that's how we spread the empowerment and the impact through rad leadership. But at the, at the bottom of the triangle of you can't do all this amazing leadership work if you don't have the, the health and the healing and if you don't feel well. So part of my work is definitely around the health pieces. So let's get into how the mind and mental health is not an island and how it's actually integrated with mind, body, heart, and spirit. So first I already touched on a little bit, but emotions. So depression doesn't come out of nowhere. So if you're starting to feel off and feel down, the first thing that you need to look for is where are there feelings that you've been unable or unwilling to feel? Where is there a mismatch or a lack of alignment between what you're doing and who you're being and then who you actually truly are? And that's a piece where it's very, very, very fruitful, if not vital, to know yourself deeply and to know your values and to know your purpose and your mission, which is a huge part of my work, which is the foundational conscious life design course that I have, which is mapping out who am I? What do I value? What are the pillars of my life? What is my purpose and my spark and my mission and vision? All of these things. Because then when you're not feeling well, you can look at your life and what all the things that are going on and say, whoa, how did I totally fall out of alignment with what actually matters to me? That's a huge piece. Or what situation is going on in my life that I've been unwilling to face and to look at? Perhaps where you're feeling things such as, regret or guilt or anger or rage or hurt any of these things when you've been unwilling to sit with them and put them in a chair next to you and say hey what are you doing here and what are what are you here to tell me like rage doesn't show up for no reason and resentment and guilt and all of these things if you let them fester in your life and you decide to put them in a bottle and shove that inside of your body instead of sitting with it and processing it, allowing it to come out, that's where we have dis and issues within the body. So first, emotionally, assess what's going on. Where are there pieces, whether small or large in your life, that are throwing things off? Where are there big or even smaller emotions that you haven't been willing to feel? And perhaps it's because they're scary. That's a lot of times we don't want to feel things because they're scary or because we think they're going to hurt, and they probably will. But the thing is, it hurts a lot more if you ignore them and pretend they're not there and keep them inside rather than feeling them and letting them out of you and letting them go. So the first piece of mental health is looking at emotional health. Another tool I really like in this space is 
what if you were to if you were to go talk to your inner child actually if you have the capacity to do this right now with me let's just do it really quick if you were to go to your inner child and allow them a quick snapshot into everything that's going on in your life and what you're doing what would they tell you if you have a chance just close your eyes really quick and put your hand or your hands on your heart when you actually bring your hands to your heart you bring awareness to this energetic center and where you put attention you bring energy so we're bringing energy into the heart space Imagine just for a second sitting with like a five, six, seven-year-old version of you, maybe eight, nine, ten, whatever feels right. And you know what, what you loved when you were that age and what you dreamed about and how you felt about things and your excitement, your passion. If your little self was looking at your life right now, where would they tell you immediately things are off? Where would they tell you immediately that you're playing small or you're selling yourself short or you're not speaking your truth? or you are keeping yourself small for the sake of someone else or you're feeling really big painful emotions but you're keeping them in there's a lot of wisdom in tapping into different versions of us younger and also older that have wisdom for us that if you take yourself out of your current perspective and put yourself into that perspective who can say you know Mackenzie like you're so off here right now you know you don't like this and that you're doing it day in and day out of course you don't feel well so that's the first piece the emotional piece the next piece i want to go to is huge which is the physical piece so physical piece this is actually how my healing journey really started And my journey into my life's work, into my purpose was actually really just starting with how do I eat and what do I put into my body that will help my brain and help my mental health and help my severe depression. When I was in college, I, there was a mass shooting at my school in 2014. So this year will be the 10 year anniversary, which is absolutely insane. But That kind of catapulted me from, I don't know if I was really in depression before that. I think actually, no, yeah, I was. But it catapulted me into like a very, very deep depression and PTSD and a whole bunch of other things. And that was when I first started trying to be more conscious about how I was eating. Even though I had grown up in a pretty healthy house. My mom is pretty crunchy. You know, she always bought like the sprouted organic bread and stuff that my sister and I hated. And there's vegetables on our plate every night, even though I didn't like them. I really only ate like carrots and plain lettuce and broccoli, I feel like, till I was 20 or something, which is funny um, given how I eat now. But I started, you know, kind of understanding the food inputs mattered. And that really was a change I made because when uh, this person, this friend I had, Chris, died in the shooting, I had the chance to really assess my life. And I thought, okay, well, I'm alive. Why am I not treating my body better? If I have the opportunity to literally wake up every day and continue to experience this life and have the opportunity you know, to finish college and get married and have kids and live out my dreams, all the things that he and the other victims wouldn't be able to do, It makes sense to treat my body better. So there was that piece. And then the next year is when I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And then the next couple of years were just 
really, really, really hard, painful, terrible. My health was bad on all fronts. And then my thyroid, my thyroid went crazy and I had hypothyroidism. So by the time it got to 2018, I was sick. I was severely depressed. I'd just gone through a period of being very suicidal. I was having a ton of anxiety. I was overweight. I lost a ton of my hair. All this stuff was happening. And so the beginning of this all, really, this journey into healing, into healing and purpose and everything like that was, what can I eat to change how I'm feeling? Because I started to learn about the mind-gut connection and how the health of our gut is very strongly tied to the health of our brain and how we feel. The majority of your serotonin is actually made in your gut, not in your brain. And when you're in utero, when you're being formed inside of your mom, the gut and the brain are actually formed together and then separate. So they both have very similar wisdom within them. And there are connections to the gut that impact our mood so much more than we realize until like, let's say the last five, 10 years of this science coming out and really showing us what the true story is. So I started learning about that. And I just need to quickly shout out Dave Asprey and his podcast, which used to be Bulletproof and now is The Human Upgrade. That podcast, I learned so much on it and it helped me in so many ways and introduced me not to just all the things that Dave knew and taught through that portal, but also all these incredible experts that would come on. And I realized how much inflammation I had in my brain and in my body. And I mean, you could see it physically in photos of me then. But I realized, oh my God, my brain is so inflamed. And so just quickly on inflammation, inflammation is a normal process and it's very good that we have it because when something bad uh, happens, damaging happens in our body, we have the inflammatory response, which, which responds and goes to the area of injury or insult or whatever's happening and can send in basically resources to fix. However, however, that's really great for if you break your ankle like I did last year or twist your ankle or have a cut or something like that. However, if you are putting things into your body that your body is detecting as a foreign invader, as bad, and it's starting or sending an inflammatory response, in response to that. And then you're consistently putting inputs into your body that are causing this inflammatory response. You're experiencing chronic inflammation. Chronic inflammation is the leading cause of every single major killer that exists besides traumatic injury, like in a car accident. So cancers, diabetes, heart disease, neurodegenerative diseases. All of these things are caused by inflammation. And the leading cause of inflammation is our diet. The fact that this isn't put on billboards and plastered all over everywhere, every day, all the time is crazy. Because if you look at the healthcare crisis in our country, it's largely due to the fact that all of, 
it's largely due to the fact that so many people have insane chronic inflammation and it's causing disease within them. And a lot of inflammation, poor gut health, for example, and inflammation in the brain is what's causing mood disorders. It's what's causing things like depression. So what do you want to do to change the inputs going into your body to affect your mood? The first is that you need to reduce inflammation. So what does that look like? First thing, cutting out sugar, cutting out processed sugar, cutting out processed flour. Those at the bare minimum will will do a lot of good, but we're going to go many steps further. So I'll do a whole episode on this because it's an extensive topic, but I'm just going to give you the high level way to approach it, which is you're going to eat majority of foods that are single ingredient foods. So you're not buying things that have an ingredient list. And if you do have an ingredient list, every ingredient is a real thing. And it's hopefully minimally processed. In general, like if you watch me go to the grocery store, I don't, I don't, I don't know what I buy that's processed. Mary's organic, Mary's crackers, which are really great quality. There's like a couple things I will buy, but in, in essence, overall, I'm putting together whole food things. I'm putting together making rice, making beans, avocado, you know, a grass-fed beef, whatever it is. I'm putting things together that are whole food ingredients. I'm not using things that are processed. And to process means like it's going through a process to be made into something else. So as close as you can get to the natural ingredient, the better. So cutting out processed foods, cutting out sugar, cutting out flour, cutting out gluten in general will be extremely helpful if you're trying to reduce your inflammation. Plant-based diet, that doesn't to me mean only plants. That means the foundation of your diet is planting of the pyramid. The foundation is plants, but you could, I, I'm fine with animal products. Everyone has their own opinion. I think high quality animal products are great, but the foundation of my diet isn't meat. It's stuff that comes from the ground. So yeah, think fruits and veggies, high quality animal products. If you're going for gut healing, I would reduce all flours of any kind. Because if you take a grain and then grind it up with it, it increases the surface area of it. So in your gut, there's even more surface area of that thing that your body is registering as a foreign invader and sending out or creating that inflammatory response. Dairy can be inflammatory and not just any dairy, but specifically pasteurized dairy is going to be the worst culprit. Raw dairy is showing to be a superfood from everything that I'm seeing and reading, but just like a regular pasteurized milk isn't going to be great for you. If you do want to do dairy, my integrative health doctor recommends sheep or goat's milk because it has a different ratio of the dairy protein casein. It's A2 casein, so just a different type, and it's easier on the body. So if you're going to do dairy, I always encourage sheep or goat's milk. But yeah, this isn't going to be a nutrition segment, but I do. I think that that's the foundation is just... Look up what an anti-inflammatory diet is, but essentially we're going for whole foods. We're not doing process. We're cutting out sugar. We're cutting out 
gluten and flours. We're cutting out bad dairy and we want to increase fiber. We want to increase healthy fats. We want good quality sources of protein and we want healthy carbs. On top of that, we want to be hydrated. And on top of that, the other part of the physical health is exercise. Exercise is shown to be extremely effective especially for uh, light and moderate depression. So at that lower to medium scale of depression, exercise is through, through scientific research is, has shown to be equivalent of an antidepressant. Move your body for your mental health. The whole issue here is that when you have depression, especially more of a moderate to severe extreme depression you have like we talked about at the beginning of this episode fatigue and low energy and it's really hard to get yourself to do anything so it's difficult because you know I went through a period in 2018 I had my first job as you know first like big kid job after college and I was struggling so much. I didn't feel comfortable or safe talking about my mental health at work. I didn't want to get fired. I carried a lot of shame about it. And there's stigma. I think it's getting better, but there's still stigma. And I was struggling so much. On some days we would have, so I was in outside sales. So a lot of times I was out in the field on my own, going to see my clients and my partners and things like that. But we would have a session or two of meetings in the morning some days. And I, after a few weeks, got in, got in trouble and was written up and told, you know, if this happens this many times, like you're going to be fired because I was always late to the meetings because I literally couldn't get out of bed. And I know that to people who haven't experienced depression, it sounds silly. Because it's like, okay, just stand up and get out of bed. But when you are in that state and you're so tired and you are so apathetic and you are so numb, there isn't the motivating piece or the energy, energetic piece there to get you out of bed. So I was late all the time. And then when I finally got warned, I think I started getting there on time because I was trying to not be fired. And then I would do the meeting and instead of going out in the field, a lot of times I would go home and get right back in bed and lay there all day, either just lay there. A lot of times I was like, I would just stare at the wall. I would lay there and just stare at the wall or I would sleep. And somehow I was really good at my job (laughs) and I was above plan. Like I, when I left that job a year later, I was above plan. I I hit all my metrics above my metrics, but I was having such a hard time. And so working out wasn't happening like zero, zero percent. I knew I should do it, but I didn't mean I was doing it. So I'll circle back to this a little bit later in the episode, but it is a catch 22 of, okay, exercise helps you, but I don't have the energy or the motivation or the will to exercise. However, I think there are different ways to slowly input this or change your mindset a little bit or put routine or safeguards or accountability people or just people to help you into your life that can help with this. And then 
So we're talking about mental health. We've talked about it from the emotional health piece. We've talked about from the physical piece and then from the spiritual piece. So like I said, my journey into healing my brain and my body started very much as a health quest. If a, I'm going to heal my physical self. However, I actually concurrently, as I was doing that path, started also with this spiritual path at the same time. When I was is late 2017, I was suicidal. I was... I had just actually received the offer for my job, which felt so twisted and ironic to me. It's like, I'm thinking about killing myself and I just got a job. Great. Um, so weird time in life. Um, and I was sitting on the couch and I came across this quote by Rumi, who's one of my favorite poets in the world. And it was a quote that said, and live life as if everything is rigged in your favor. And I was so resistant. I just thought at first, that's so stupid. That's so stupid. Rigged in my favor. Okay. You know, because I was going through something that felt so bad. So bad. I wouldn't wish that feeling upon anyone how I was feeling at that point. And, you know, it was years of depression I had been going through at that point. Years and years. And a few years of very severe depression and rigged in my favor just felt so trite and annoying to me. And then I think that was my mental reaction. That was my egoic reaction. That was my ego responding. Then my soul had a chance to think about it and respond. And there was this feeling in me, like kind of in my gut of, but what if, what if this is rigged in my favor? What if there's a future version of me, a future Mackenzie, who can look back on all of this and, and say and know, oh my gosh, all of that was rigged in my favor because it brought me to you know this place or made me become this person or gave me this strength or this vision or this something to be able to become who I was supposed to become and have the life I was supposed to have or whatever that looked like. I didn't know. But there was this piece of me that just said, hmm, like, what if? And it felt like this glimmer of hope that I truly hadn't had up until that point for the longest time. And so that began to act as a lifeline for me. And I used that as my, every year I pick a word or a quote, usually I pick a quote for my birthday and then a, a, a word for the new year because I'm born end of November and then obviously New Year's Jan 1. And so I pick a leading word and quote as the guide for my next year. And I picked that quote and I started living by it. What if everything has worked in my favor? And what I didn't realize was I was exercising spiritual intelligence. And I was exercising this idea that perhaps there is purpose that is infused into what we go through. And there's purpose in my life. And there's purpose in my struggle and there's purpose in my pain and that it's not all for nothing and that I'm not a victim, even though it's painful and even though it's challenging and even though, you know, I'm literally at my rock bottom, there's purpose in it. And also it taught me to start to add meaning into what I was going through. What would it mean 
that this happened to me. Well, could it, it could mean that I had a broken brain as I'd been told and that I was broken and, you know, this whole side of things that felt very negative and allowed me to stay in this victim consciousness. Or what did it mean? Maybe it meant that I was given an opportunity to learn how to heal. Maybe it meant that I was given an opportunity to really understand what life is actually about. Maybe it meant that for as much darkness as I could experience and hold and really sit with and integrate, that actually meant that I could actually hold that much light too. And I came up with this theory, actually, that we're all kind of born at this neutral place, come out, come out the womb, and you're at this line. And we go through good, we go through bad in life. The more pain, darkness that we go through, and we sink down, you can take that and flip it around. And that's actually how much light you're able to experience. That's how much love, that's how much capacity you have for the good in this life. That's why you see people who have been through unthinkable and even unspeakable challenge, pain, darkness, trauma, who are huge holders of light, who are huge beacons, who are living in a way that seems so different than the terrible things that they went through. It's because their capacity was expanded and now they can hold that much more. They can be that much more. They understand life maybe more fully or more consciously or more deeply than others because of their experience of that pain and darkness and trauma and challenge. So maybe that's what maybe that's what my mental health was all about. I kept telling myself. And so as I went along this healing journey and I started to heal my body and heal my inflammation and seeing my body change, but more than that, seeing my mood change, seeing my thinking change, my spiritual studies went along with that. And I became more and more tapped into the truest part of me, to my consciousness, to my soul, to my spirit, and then cultivating a deeper and deeper connection to source, to spirit, whatever you want to call the highest consciousness of all. Some people call it God. Some people call it source. Some people call it nature, divine, Yahweh, like whatever you want to call it. I don't care. But we all come from that and go back to that and are a part of that and are that experiencing itself through us. And the more I went through this mental and physical healing, I actually was going just as much into this emotional and then into spiritual healing. And so there's just no part of me that will ever agree that mental health is a standalone thing. Mental health is intimately and intricately tied to your emotional health, your physical health, and your spiritual health. They all fit together. So let's get into what does it what can we do when we're not feeling well, when we are catching ourselves in this lowness, or we've been in one for a while, or we have someone who we can see struggling and we want to help them? Let's get into some of the tools. Let's get into the real meat and potatoes of, all right, now what? You know, because one of the hardest pieces of all of this is that depression changes the way that you feel about yourself and feel about life. And Depression, quite frankly, is a lie. What I mean by that is that it will completely change the way that you are seeing things. This is what I mean. I call them depression goggles. 
So let's imagine you're all sitting in a, a group of friends in a room and everyone's just sitting there, but one person has red tinted glasses on or goggles on. If you point out the window and say, you know, look at that green tree, they're going to look over and be like, it's not green, it's brown. And you're saying, no, it's green tree. Everyone's going to say like, do you see the green tree? Do you see the green tree? And everyone's going to say, yeah, I see the green tree. Guy with red goggles doesn't know he has the red goggles on is like, it's not green. You're wrong. Or that's stupid. Or like, why are you getting up on me? Or whatever it is. The goggles make you see reality differently. Even though you think you're a part of what's going on, your view of the world is skewed. It's tinted. It's distorted. And that's what depression does. And it's really hard because it'll turn you against yourself and it'll turn you against others. Not that you're against them, but you feel like they are against you. And you feel like the world is against you. And it's just one of the craziest things that this is something that happens to us. And for the longest time, you know, I used to say all the time, I had a brain that tried to kill me. And there is a piece of that that is true, but also that played into this, this narrative that I wasn't in control. And again, I'm going to reiterate, if anyone comes at me, I'm not saying it's your fault that you're experiencing depression, but I'm saying that if you outsource your power to something outside of yourself, rather than doing everything you can to exercise your ability to return back to yourself and return back to your natural birthright of health and of healing, then it's going to be a lot harder to get there. So saying I had a brain that tried to kill me was in some ways true. That did basically kind of happen. But is that serving me to have that narrative moving forward? No. No, no, no. It's not at all. And that's why the Rumi quote was so helpful, where I can start to add meaning and say, oh, no, it's not that it tried to kill me. I went through an experience where that happened to teach me the beauty of life, to teach me the skill set and the tools to get through this difficult stuff to teach me a deep appreciation, a deep appreciation of what it feels like to feel good. It's so much more beautiful when we can look at it in a different way. But sometimes when we get into depression, we don't even realize that our viewpoint is skewed. We don't realize that we have that filter on, that mask on, that lens on, causing us to look at things differently. So this can be very complicated because people around you are definitely going to see it and they're going to notice it. And it doesn't go that well often because you start to rub people the wrong way when you're not feeling well, because you're not seeing things the same way other people are. I went through a period in the end of college where I, I got, I had been diagnosed with bipolar disorder. I had been in a, a psych ward. I had then got pulled out of school to go to rehab. I wasn't telling people about it because I was super ashamed. I was also just confused about it a lot, a lot of components of it. Uh, there was obviously stigma about that. It's still kind of like a little bit edgy for me to share that now, but I just, I think it's more important for me to just be honest and share my story. Um, but I felt like everyone was against me and I felt like my friends weren't good friends to me. and. They weren't treating me the way I wanted to be treated. And there are probably components of that that are valid and true. However, the way that I acted and the way that I really felt like I was the victim and that they were doing me dirty and they were being bad people 
and all of this stuff, it didn't, it didn't help me mend my relationships with them. It didn't allow me to open up and have a conversation about how I was feeling. It just allowed me to stew in my own mind and then basically create a self-fulfilling prophecy where whether or not that was happening before, it definitely started happening after I started acting like that and essentially creating that situation. So I've created a self-fulfilling prophecy of, you know, I think everyone's against me, the world's against me. And then, yeah, people don't want to spend time with you when you act like that. And you're probably treating people poorly and having a bad attitude and all of these things. So it's a very difficult and tricky situation. And I think I have the capacity to see and empathize from both positions. But my goal is to empower people through this and not to allow them to continue to play victim. So that's my stance is I understand you if you are having a hard time and you feel like the world's against you. But I also want to bring light to the fact that often in these situations, it's easy to feel differently than what's actually happening. The other piece here is it's really easy in these situations to feel bad about ourselves. And so a big part of depression is low self-worth and low self-esteem and feeling like we are just inherently really flawed and that we're not good people. And this is a lot. But the thing is, is that when you're in this state, it's really easy to believe it. And that's really sad. And it really sucks. And... One of the things we can do to safeguard from this feeling is to know that that is something that happens. So if you normally feel good about yourself and then you start to get this low mood and then you don't, that can act as an indicator for us of, okay, something's off and we can put safeguards in place to remind us that that's a lie. And that can be something as small as having a post-it or post-its of reminding yourself who you are of affirmations on your wall or reminders that, you know, things are going to get better and that you are good. A bigger way to do this is to have a support system around you where you're open with people about how you're feeling and what's going on and allow them to support you and allow them to remind you of who you are, of who you really are. And that you're not this feeling and that you're not this disorder and that it's just something that's happening right now and that you are on your way back, your true center to your true self. So I'm going to go over a couple of things that happen that we want to try to avoid and what you can do instead of them. The first is pushing people away. Super easy, super common because we either feel like we're bad or wrong or feeling a lot of guilt or people are annoying us. There's a lot of different reasons this can happen. But what I want to encourage you to do instead is to go to the people that you know love you and you know care about you and you know support you or want to support you and let them know how you're feeling and let them know that you're not doing okay and that you might need support or that if you drop off the face of the earth and don't respond to texts for more than one week or whatever it looks like for you, then say, can you please call me when that happens? Because if that happens, I'm really not doing okay. Or if that, if I don't respond for two weeks, um, can you plan something for us to do to get me out of the house? Because it just means I'm in a hole and I'm not able to help myself. 
or you can come up with some kind of plan or talk with someone of, you know, if you've gone through it before, like look at what your patterns are and think about what are ways that I can go against the grain of what my normal patterns are when I'm not feeling well. So instead of self-isolating, we're putting protective mechanisms in place by being open and vulnerable with the people that care about us so that you can do something to help us and support us. The next is if you catch yourself being in bed all day. I'm not going to tell you to not spend time in bed. I'm not going to tell you at all what to do. But what I'm going to say is I would encourage you to get out of the house at least one time per day. Go for a walk. Go for one walk. Set an alarm at 6 p.m. or 6 a.m. Maybe that's a little bit much if you're depressed. I was definitely not getting out of bed at 6 a.m. in depression, Um, in any kind of depressive state. Like, no. But maybe that's what you need. Maybe it's a 5 a.m. or a 6 a.m. alarm where you just spend an hour in the quiet by yourself or you go for your walk and you listen to something that makes you feel good or you call someone at a specific time. But I want you to get out of the bed out of the bed and out of the house at least once per day, preferably in a way that moves your body. As we talked about, exercise is super important. And it doesn't have to be crazy. I'm not telling you to go do a workout. A workout would be really good. And maybe if you get out and you do your walk, you might be inspired to walk to the gym and do a little bit of stuff. But being in bed all day is not going to help you. And I want you to help you. And I want to help you. The next one is around eating. So if you find yourself not eating, putting off eating, because it just feels like too much, then what you're going to do is buy things and put things in your house that are healthy and easily accessible. Let's just start with basics. Let's start with things that don't require any preparation that are good for you. Apples, bananas, carrots, cucumbers. Buy a bunch of fruits and vegetables that don't need any prep and just put them in your house. So that when you either, if you're, if you have low appetite, when you're feeling depressed, you can go and grab them and they're there or a peach or a kiwi, whatever it is, and eat something. Obviously, that's not a complete meal, but just to just to get into the habit of not skipping meals when you have no appetite, which is what I used to do, which is not not eating disorder. It was literally I had zero appetite and zero. I was so apathetic and so numb. And so I just was like, what's the point? I don't I'm not hungry. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to cook food. I don't even feel like ordering food. I don't feel like any of it. So this is a way that you can safeguard against that. And then if you find yourself really, really, you know, quote unquote, eating your feelings or just like eating a lot in the ness, in the depressive state, I would honestly say maybe one of the same things is don't buy the stuff that's not good for you and put it in your home. Buy stuff that's good for you and put it in your home. Buy stuff that requires you to cook and put it in your home or have a list of five places that you know are healthy to order from. And that's where you're ordering from. It's just about putting these tiny things into place that are kind of like bumpers for you when you find yourself veering off course. It's like, oh, here's a bumper I put in place and that can help me kind of stay on the right track as I, you know, try to figure things out again and get myself feeling well again. The next is setting up a emergency or SOS toolkit. So this is a few people that, like I said, you let in and let them know how you're feeling and that you need support and really being able to ask for help or say, you know, hey, I, I'm not making plans. I don't feel good right now, but it would mean a lot to me if you still invited me out, even if I say no most of the time, or, you know, I would like to schedule 
something to do with you once a month because I just need something to look forward to. Or, hey, I'm going to send you, like, this is my, it could be SOS. It could be um, 911. It could be like, you know, like if you're like in a state, especially if you're having a lot of suicidal ideation, anything like that, I need you to have some kind of plan where you can be in this. If you're in a very low, low, I need you to have other people that can step in and be there for you. So if you are like, I don't remember who I am. I don't know what's going on. Not in like a psychosis way, but like in a existential despair and dread, like deep depression kind of way, send like a 911 or a certain emoji to your friend. And they know that like, you can't get off the floor right now. You are having a hard time moving forward. And that means that they're going to come over and spend the night with you or that they're going to help you schedule an appointment to see your therapist within the next 48 hours or whatever that looks like. When we go through these really hard things and we also don't have any kind of plan to deal with it, if things get harder, it just creates more stress. It creates more of an energy suck. It creates more isolation and it perpetuates an already inherently difficult problem. So that's my next tip is have some kind of keyword safeguard thing where and and a plan like if things get to you know this point what are you going to do is there a point in which you want to go explore a plant medicine option and do some like indigenous shamanism work explore rehab explore having a roommate if you live alone it's really not good for you explore you know like it needs to be a little bit more processed. And the difficult thing, as we've talked about, is that when you're in this state, it can be hard to make a plan if you don't have the energy or just the wherewithal to really do that. A lot of times people will be really depressed, but in that depressive state, it blocks them from going to find a therapist. And then that perpetuates the issue of not having a therapist, but they're not feeling capable of like being on the phone and making those phone calls. So maybe it's about sending this certain emoji to a friend, which means I need help to, or like have a conversation of, I need help to actually find someone to go to, but I, I cannot get myself on the phone. Can you please help me find someone? Something like that. The next piece is a little bit overarching, but there's a really uh, common pattern within depression, which is catastrophizing things. And everything feels like the biggest deal ever. Everything feels can feel like life or death. Or just like, I remember I used to be on the phone with my partner or ex-partner and just be like, I, no one, no one will ever get me. I'm never going to get better. I'm broken. I, I'm terrible. I, I just felt so poorly about myself. I did. I just thought like, I was broken. I thought I was a bad person. I thought that I was stupid. I thought that I would never amount to anything. I thought that like my life was over. My life really felt like it was over. Um, yeah, I was catastrophizing it all. And it felt real. And so I just want to remind you that it does get better. And I know that feels so cliche for me to say and for you to hear, but I promise you that it gets better. And if you can infuse some purpose into some meaning into what you're going through and to remind yourself of your values and of your why, 
Or maybe you need a coach or therapist to help you identify that, to have that strong anchor to hold on to. That's so helpful in moving through something like this. And allow choose choose the reframe I took. Like, what if this is rigged in your favor? What if this is giving you the ability to truly understand how strong you are? What if this is giving you the ability to cultivate these tools and to get certain lessons that will help you literally become the person you're supposed to become? Like you are a soul incarnated into a body on earth. That is so freaking special. And I don't believe in any coincidence. I don't think that I went through the depression and the mental health issues for no reason. And I don't think you're going through them for no reason too. But I don't want you to feel like they're a, a, a negative sentence or this burden. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah, it's so painful. Like, oh, I just wish whoever is listening to this, like I could hug you and hold you and let you, like I could cry right now. Like let you know how much I know it hurts and how scary it is and how much it sucks. But I also want to tell you, you can do that and you will be better for this. And you are learning so much from this. Even if you don't realize it right now, you are getting stronger and you are orienting yourself back towards who you truly are and what you truly want and the life that you truly want to live. This is going to shed light on how good it feels to feel good. Because when you move through this, you'll have an even stronger and deeper and richer understanding of life and why it feels so good to feel good. Because when we go through these times when we feel bad, oh my God, they suck. And they remind us of the beauty that life has to offer. And when we switch back the pendulum towards feeling good, it's going to feel better than it ever has before because you were once on that other side. Okay. Now I'm going to go into some, this episode's getting long, so I'm going to get into some things that you can do to move through depression. There's this feature on Spotify, I don't know if you're listening on Spotify, it's okay if you're not, but or you can mark the time at whatever time it is right now at this podcast, but if you want to just send this part to someone who you know is having some mental health struggles right now, these are some of my best tips and tricks and tools to get out of a down state, a depressed state, a depressive episode. And I want to share them with you because after cumulative years, years of depression, including some episodes that literally lasted years without stopping, I do think I have a pretty good tool belt and perspective on this. And I would love to help in any way I can by sharing things that work for me and that I've seen work for others as well. Okay. The first one, Gratitude. Like I said, depression changes our perspective. It puts a lens and a filter and goggles on us that make us forget about everything that we have and focus on the negative and feel bad and feel like we're victims and feel like the world is against us. If you can return back to looking at the things that you do have, do you have clean running water? Do you have a roof over your head? Do you have food? Do you have a job? Do you have at least one person that loves you? Do you have fingers and toes and hands and feet and arms and legs? Do you have eyes that work? Do you have a body that moves? Do you have, you know, like you can get into the basics of it. Why do you have that so many people would trade so much for, would trade their whole lives almost for? Like who would just kill to switch places with you? What do you have that you can focus on? Where we put our attention, we put our energy. 
And if you can start to shift to all the things that you do have, the things that are going well, it's easy to look over them to discount them, but it doesn't mean they're not happening. This is such a good tool for returning back to self and to center. I'm going to take it one step further and quickly go over my method that I use. I love gratitude. I use gratitude in my morning practice, but what I do at my night practice is very special to me. And I have a journal that I call my SHWIM journal. It stands for, it's S-H-W-M-M, and it stands for successes, highs, wins, magic, and miracles. And every night in my journal, in this one specific journal, I write down anything that felt like a success, anything felt like a high, a good, a good thing that felt good, a win, felt magical, or felt like a miracle. And... This is just a really beautiful way of reflecting on all the things that go well in our day. The smallest, the biggest, anything in between. And there is a particular part of our brain called the reticular activating system. And this is our filter. This is what we can essentially give notes to and say, hey, look out for this for us. Look out for this. Look out for this. And it'll filter out other stuff, a lot of other stuff, because we have so many inputs coming into our perceptual field our sensory field through the five senses all the time. And it will look for the highlights of your day. It will look for the wins, the magic and the miracles and the successes. And at the end of the day, it's one of my favorite things to do. It's also a great way to end the day because you're ending in this high frequency, this high vibratory state, this gratitude state before going to bed. And so that's one of my favorite practices. So you can just do regular gratitude or try out the swim journal method. And that's really special. And great for mood. The next piece is just acceptance. Instead of fighting where you're at, how can you lean in and say, this is where I'm at in the next hour, maybe it'll feel better in the next day, it'll feel better. And I'm going to do my best to feel better. But I'm also not going to fight what's going on and how I'm feeling. The more we resist what's going on, the more we perpetuate our feelings of discontent, of disappointment, of unease, of unhappiness. If you can just say, I'm accepting where I'm at right in this moment. I can't change this moment. I can change the next one. I can give myself a minute and then maybe try to shift my mood and listen to some music or something I love and feel better in five minutes. But right this moment, this is my reality and I'm going to accept it. That can work wonders. The next is setting, setting small goals. So we want these to be realistic goals. We want them to be controllable and manageable, ideally measurable. So it doesn't mean you need to focus on cleaning the whole house. But today, can you bring out the trash? Can you clean up that one pile that's in the corner of your room that keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger? Can you take all of the cups off of your nightstand and bring them to the kitchen? You don't even have to clean them, maybe. Just put them in the sink. Or all the things that are in the sink, can you clean them? Small manageable goals that help you just get back on track. Or if you know that exercise is really good for you, like we've talked about, so you know it. but you don't feel capable, can you roll out your yoga mat and just stretch for one minute every day? And after one week, maybe see if you can go to five minutes. Small manageable goals. I also want you to reward yourself. When you're doing these small goals or when you journal or when you do one of these other things I'm going to recommend, how can you reward yourself? I love a cold sparkling water. I know it sounds so simple. But the simple things are kind of some of the best things in life. I love to have little rewards for myself. To have a cold sparkling water and sit in the sun is my favorite. 
or in a hot bath or I'll set a goal sometimes then buy myself something that I want that's like a fun little thing that I wouldn't normally get or take myself out to lunch or whatever it is. As you make progress, I want you to actually celebrate the progress that you're making and to reward yourself for it, whatever feels good to you. The next is I want you to make a list of mood boosting activities. What are things that shift your energy that make you feel good? My favorites, music, dancing, talking on the phone with a friend, long walks. What else do I like? Drives in the car. Also listening to my favorite music or podcast, breath work. What are the things that shift your energy and that make you feel good? I want you to have a list of them so that when you're like really in it, really feeling down or really, you know, just not feeling well, you can open up and pick something off that list and do it. And maybe if that doesn't work, then go the next thing on the list and go the next thing on the list. Put on your favorite song, put on your favorite music and dance your ass off for four minutes and see if you don't feel a tiny bit better because I think that you will. And I want you to try it. And if you don't, you can let me know. But that means at least you tried. You're making an effort. And that's what we're going for here. We're just looking for incremental steps, for little shifts, for little shifts, for little shifts. I don't believe in quick fixes. As a coach and consultant and just a human, I healed and I see other people heal and really shift and change and then go from surviving to striving to thriving through small incremental changes. It's all about these little shifts. I don't want you to put big pressure on yourself to feel better, to, to be perfect, to, to just be healed. It's not, it's not what we're going for. I just want you to feel a tiny bit better. And sometimes it looks like this, a little bit better, down, up, down, up, down. But look at over time, you're rising, you're going up. And that's what, that's what matters here. If there's something you really need to do that you haven't been doing because you just feel zero, zero motivation, whether that's something for work or for cleaning, for anything, anything, I want you to set a timer and do it as fast as you can. This is probably not the best tip for, let's say you have a big project or proposal due at work, but just in general, setting a five to 10 minute timer. I still do this even when I feel amazing. I don't want to clean my room. I set a 10 minute timer and I just jam and I get as much done as I can in 10 minutes. And when 10 minutes goes off, even if it's not done, I, I say, okay, okay, I'll come back to it in a little bit, do another 10. But like, I just did my my due diligence. And that's a very helpful tool. So try that one out. The next is nature. I want you to get your booty and especially actually not your booty, but your feet into nature. If you can get your actual bare feet onto the bare ground is ideal because you'll be grounding, which essentially your mind, you have an electromagnetic field of your mind and your heart. And the earth also is has an electromagnetic field and it sinks. You sink to that of the earth when you take your shoes off, which usually have rubber soles, which disconnect you from the earth. And you put your bare feet on the earth and it has anti-inflammatory benefits. It helps with sleep, mood, all these things. It's really good for you. I want you to get to nature. Also, just being in nature in general has shown through research to be very good for depression. Go where it's green. Go where things are alive. Connect back to essentially your roots. Like we all, we all grew up in nature at some point and maybe we've moved away from it now, but it's deeply healing. So I want you to get into nature, even if it's just a couple minutes, but a walk in nature, go for a walk in nature and tell me you don't feel a little bit better, a little bit better. Okay. It's good to get out from those 
lights at work or at home, the overhead lights, like you need, you need no ceiling. You need no sky. You need to be out in the wild or whatever version of that. Maybe it's a park, but as you can, as much like real nature as you can get to as possible is my, is what I'm always going to be a proponent of. The next is sleep hygiene. Sleep hygiene is very, 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 very important, my loves. So the quick overview is going to bed at the same time. I know this can be difficult, or maybe you stay up watching TV, or maybe you're sleeping so much off and on, you don't have a sleep routine. But if you can just pick a bedtime and have an alarm, let's say that goes off before bed, preferably like an hour before bed, and then you have time with no screens, and then you go to sleep, whatever it looks like for you. That's what I would recommend. That's why I recommend to my clients. And we put a whole system into place, like a whole sleep routine. We don't have time for that right now, but going to bed at the same time and waking up at the same time is extremely helpful. When you go to bed, it's ideal for the room to be cool, for there to be no lights, which either looks like blackout curtains or a sleep mask. I personally love waking up with daylight. I don't like blackout curtains. It makes me feel disoriented, but I use a sleep mask because any detectable light, even through the eyelids, will affect your circadian rhythm, which, as I touched on earlier, is responsible for hormone regulation, which affects sleep and mood. And that's what we're talking about right now. So to eliminate lights, cool temperature, same time going to bed is really, really, really helpful for your mental health. Even if you can't sleep, also, if you're feeling insomnia, I want you to not be on your phone. Okay, so you can get a book out or a journal or meditate, but no phone, not in bed, not in the middle of the night. Okay, and then let's move forward on, I guess, easily to the next one, which is meditation and mindfulness. To start to listen to yourself again after going through depression can be hard, especially when the mental chatter in your mind is negative and mean. However, this is one of the best times to practice because that voice in your head isn't you. You, the truest you, are the consciousness that can observe and witness that there's a mean voice in your head or a negative voice in your head or a sad voice in your head. You are the witness. You are the consciousness. You're the observer. So when you sit in meditation or sit in silence and focus on your breathing or focus on listening to a sound, whatever your meditative practice looks like, you're able to connect back to your true self and to see that the thoughts that are running through your head, they aren't you. And you've been letting them run the show a little bit and that you can start to observe them just as thoughts that you're having and not give them power, not giving them any power. And this is a hard one because like we talked about, you know, the, the negative chatter and the the feelings that we have that are negative about ourselves or others when we're not feeling well feels really real and really strong and really valid. But I'm just going to remind you that it's not. And it's stillness practice is one of the best ways to align back to our soul and to align back to our inner being and to align back to a place where we can really recenter and restructure ourselves and our lives around what really matters and around who we really are by getting quiet and just observing all the chaos and the weirdness that's going on in our head. Another beautiful one is, is giving. When we don't feel well, we're often very focused on ourselves and everything that doesn't, isn't going well in our lives. Where instead can we give to others? 
this is honestly a, a life hack. When I don't feel well, instead of focusing on myself, I try to look at, okay, can I go volunteer? Can I go help out someone else in any capacity? And it always makes me feel better. Where can you go donate a little bit of your time or your energy to someone else? And watch how that shifts how you're feeling. On the note of music, I know I said music for state change. I really do believe music is one of the best ways to shift how we're feeling. When you're not feeling well, I'm going to forbid you. I'm going to forbid you to listen to music with bad lyrics. Let's not do sad music. Let's not do angry music. Let's not do like women bashing and all of these these lyrics and these songs. Yeah, maybe they're catchy, but your subconscious is picking up all of this stuff and you are programming really negative vibration and messages into your psyche when you listen to that. Let's please do positive vibes, healing vibes, healing frequencies. Really focus on what inputs are going into your life. It's not just about eating the fruits and the veggies and drinking good quality water. It's also about what are the quality of your thoughts and what are the qualities of the things that you're listening to and watching. Don't be watching horror movies and negative stuff like that when you don't feel well. In general, I don't think anyone should listen to this stuff. It's it's imprinting within us. It's not good for your health. But especially if you're not feeling well, that idea. Okay, here's one that I probably could have mentioned earlier, but I really do believe in resourcing ourselves well. But therapy, having someone who is there for you can be extremely helpful. Who can help you, who can help you kind of unpack the feelings and the thoughts that you're having is is great, is so helpful. And from a psychotherapeutic lens can be really can be really lovely. I also have had many clients, most of the clients I think I've had actually, who comment that the work that I do, the type of work that I do is better than any therapy they've ever had because of the fact that in therapy, a lot of times, see, this is my qualm because I've had so much therapy and actually most all of it was highly ineffective, which is kind of why I had to learn how to heal myself which included the psychological side of things. Is it helpful to just go and talk about your feelings and how you're not feeling well? And then that's a whole session. And then you just do more of that and then go back to the next session and do that again. Obviously, not all therapists are like this, but many are. A lot of people, it's just like, okay, tell me what's going on and what you're feeling. And then there's not a lot of true processing that happens in that in that process. And so I think finding someone that is actually helpful. Whether that's a coach or a therapist is very important. And in the more business entrepreneurial space, I was reading some statistics the other day that 75, 75% of entrepreneurs are worried about their mental health. 49% of entrepreneurs report having had depression at some point or being depressed as compared to, I think, the average population is at around 30%. And then I also saw that it said 50 entrepreneurs are 50% more likely to have mental health issues. I can see it because there's a lot of stress in that world. I don't think it's bad. I think entrepreneurship is amazing, but we need tools to be able to deal with these things. And so I think being an entrepreneur and knowing that there's going to be a strong emotional or mental 
health, a, a strong, let's see, how should I put this? Knowing that there's going to be pressure on you from a mental health standpoint, it's really good to equip yourself with having a coach or with having someone who can help you through that. And that will actually allow you to step more into self-leadership and then into being a better leader. And that's what this is all about at the end of the day from my, from my lens and my words. So yeah, have someone who you can go to, to help you work through these things. Last one, the last tools here is spend time with people who love you. Don't self-isolate. Try to do activities, whether it's in the house or outside the house, spend time with people that love you. Even if you don't feel like talking to anyone, maybe set an alarm on Saturday morning or Thursday afternoon. And just that alarm means you text five people, five of your friends and just say, hey, how are you? Or, hey, I love you. Or whatever it is. Or send a voice note and just try to catch up with someone. Or reach out and make plans and go spend time in company with people that you love and that love you. Being touched by other people, getting hugs, laughter, being in activity, doing things together is so good for the human heart and the human spirit and for your mental health. Because like I keep saying, they're all connected. Last thing, one of the last things here is I really encourage you to cut out substances when you're not feeling well. I can't say I followed this very well for the longest time. I really felt like smoking weed helped me cope with how sensitive I was and all of the things I was going through mentally and emotionally for the longest time. But when I stopped turning to substances to feel well, that was when I actually really opened the door to be able to unpack my feelings and start doing some of the deepest healing of all because I wasn't numbing myself out even more to what was going on inside of me. So if you're not feeling good, maybe don't pour that glass of wine and instead call a friend or instead get your journal out or instead go sit on the meditation pillow or lay down on the bed and just do a mindfulness practice and focus on your breathing and sit with the emotion and see what comes up. Because when we ingest something in place of feeling something, we are perpetuating feeling not well. Put it to the side and sit with what it is that we're feeling we're going through. We are choosing ourselves. That is an act of self-love. And you are leading yourself. You're in self-leadership saying, I am devoted to myself, to my health, to my healing, to my reason for being. And I'm going to take this opportunity to go deeper into the discovery of what it is that's hurting me or making me feel bad or that's holding me back or keeping me down. And I'm committed to sitting with it and processing it and working through it so that I can come out on the other side, not numbed out, not high or drunk, but instead maybe in a deep cry or a deep session with a therapist or a deep talk with a friend or a deep journaling session, but coming out with more insights about who you are and how you're feeling and the capacity to move forward better, stronger, lighter, more you, less burdened, less down. So I just encourage you really to to look at where you're using substance as a way to, to cover up what's actually going on. Okay, the last two. One is just routine. Give yourself a little routine in the morning. It will make you feel so stabilized and so good. Even if it's literally just get up, 
and have a warm, hydrating drink and sit in the sun for five minutes or put on your favorite music and dance or, you know, pick three activities, do a little gratitude and a little stretching and a little walk. If you can make some kind of anchoring activity for yourself that you return to, it's so stabilizing. I mean, this is something that I highly support people to do all the time. And I think it's one of the keys to true, honestly, success in whatever way you want to frame success. But when you're not feeling well, having a little bit of a routine can be so fruitful and so helpful. If you want to learn about the way that I teach the morning routine to my clients that really focuses on wellness, well-being, and performance, and incorporates mental, emotional, physical, spiritual health, all in a morning routine. It's pretty amazing, honestly. I have a free resource that you can get at my website or find on my Instagram page. So just go to the show notes and click on my page and you can get that for free. And it's a really great way to create a morning routine that can be any length. I call it accordion style so you can have it compressed and have a short version or a larger version or uh, versions in between. But it'll give you an entire framework for a really beautiful morning routine. So I'd love to help you out there if you're looking for a little bit of guidance in that regard. The last piece is, I guess maybe two pieces, but the last piece here is returning to your why. Why do you feel like you're here on earth? What is your mission? What's what's the what's the meaningful thing that you're here to do? What's the thing that lights you up or that normally lights you up when you're not feeling down? That is your anchor right now. That is the piece that's so important because it reminds us, like the Rumi quote, live life as if everything is rigged in your favor. It reminds us that this that we're going through right now, this depression, this 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 heaviness, this pain, this despair, whatever it feels like there can be meaning in it and it can contribute to your betterment and it can make you stronger and it can make you wiser and it can make you more empathetic and more compassionate and all of these things. And if you can return back to your why, it gives you, it gives you a little bit more strength to keep going. It does. And I will just tell you right now, just to end this episode, that the strength you need to keep going is really just knowing that you are here for a reason. There are no accidents. No one comes to earth on accident. I really believe we all chose to be here. And what we go through, even though it doesn't make sense to us, maybe logically or rationally, this world isn't based on logic and rationality. This world is based on something so much bigger than we can truly conceive. But we are here in the spirit of growth and of evolution and of creating ourselves and our lives. And a lot of times we go through things that we don't feel like we would choose or we don't want. But later, when we look back on them, those are most often the things that people say that they're most thankful for. And why is that? It's because this and this contrast teaches us very strongly what we don't want. And so to be in depression, to be in a low state, there's, 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 there's gold in it. There's silver linings in it. And I just want to remind you that this is going to make you more capable at being the best version of you as you move through this and out of this. This is teaching you 
how good it feels to feel good because when you don't feel good it's just like holy hell what is going on and even if it feels like it'll never end i want to remind you that it will end and you're going to be okay and it's all going to be okay i promise you please if anything just look at my life and let me act as a living reflective mirror of what is possible and that i went through times as well where i didn't think it was going to get better and I just didn't understand how it was going to get better and my biggest advice would be to let go of the how and just lean in a tiny bit more one percent more to trust and to faith that there is an orchestration going on here that is so much bigger than us and smarter than us and what we can do is we can just walk the path and if this is the path that you're on then I want you to take some of the tools and the the tips and the things that I gave you and add them into your life that what you're going through is going to make sense down the road and it's going to grow you and it's going to make you stronger and that you are so much stronger than you realize. And I'm here for you. So if you want to reach out after this, if you want to share anything, if you need advice, if you need support, I will be that person for you. Please reach out to me. Send me a DM. Okay. Like I said, when I went through those those dark, 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 dark periods, I would not wish that on anyone. The thing is, I'm not special. So many people experience really hard shit and really big, terrible feelings and traumas and all these things. And what can we do but lean on each other and share our experiences with each other and also hope? So I want to share that hope with you. And I want to share the true knowing that it gets better and you need to be here and you're here for a reason. And having you on earth is the best thing ever and 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 that's that there's no other options okay so i just want to wrap with saying you're doing an amazing job and you're going to get through it and i hope that um if you're not depressed but you're using this episode to learn about depression or mental health i hope that it helped you i hope that this was just helpful this was completely from the heart i wanted to do something i told a friend recently she asked me for like advice uh, to send her stepdaughter because she's in a mental health rut. And I said, you know, I'll make an episode about it. And so this is the episode. I know it was long, but I hope it was helpful. And if you have anything you want to share, please share it with me. Um, but just know that I believe in you and I love you and you are deeply loved and you are so special and yeah this human experience is hard and it's complicated and it's confusing and it's also beautiful because it does involve both the dark and the light the good and the bad the challenge and the triumph and i'm never going to gloss over that part of things i wouldn't ever take back what i went through i'm so deeply appreciative of what i went through because it was like going through the fire and it galvanized me into the person i am today and it helped me really hone in on my purpose and helping people towards their well-being and health and happiness and their spark and purpose and all of these things. So lots of love. Talk to you next week or whenever you tune in or whenever you tune in next. And I'm sending you the biggest, biggest, biggest hug. Hi, y'all. All right, y'all. That's a wrap on that one. I really hope that that acts as a helpful resource. Please send it to anyone that you think might be able to benefit from this. I know that when I went through a lot of depression, 
people in my family hadn't and didn't understand the symptoms or didn't understand what I was going through and something like this would have been so helpful. And like I said, I will make a part two because there's a bunch of things I feel like I didn't even get to cover. But for right now, here's two good hours of resources. And at the very least, I hope you just remember that whether you're the one giving help or seeking help or just learning, this is our one life. And so whenever we can lean in to trying to improve our state of being in our emotional state and how we feel and how we're operating like I keep saying this is our greatest performance so I think we really owe it to ourselves and to the world to take care of ourselves and take care of each other and do the best we can so if you liked this I would love if you would share it if you want to share it uh, on any social medias tag me I'd love to see if you listened and if it helped you and what you thought about it And then please follow the podcast, subscribe, rate and review. It would mean the world to me. And if you rate and review and follow, take a screenshot and send it to me via DM or email. And we will schedule you a complimentary life audit, audit of some kind, your morning routine, your evening routine. Let's help you through a challenging relationship or a career, something that's just out of alignment where we can get you more into alignment and you'll walk away with at least two super actionable things that will help you to have more health, happiness, alignment, balance, and that thing moving forward. That's my thank you to you. And as always, please feel free to reach out and connect. I would love to hear your thoughts on all of this and connect with you and meet you if we haven't met yet. I hope you have a beautiful day. You are beautiful. And please remember how important and necessary you are to this world. Till next time.